believe that this morning, uh, in and of itself, has the potential to truly change your life if you embrace what I'm going to be talking about and are willing to pursue putting it into practice on a regular basis. You guys, most of you, did you guys get these two things? Get a Bible reading plan and a bookmark when you walked in? Yes, wave them at me if you have them. Okay, that really wasn't necessary. I just wanted to see you do it. Um, (coughs) But we are, uh, I shared this a couple weeks ago. In 2020, one of the things we just felt the Lord calling us to do this year is that as an an entire church, uh, we would be on the same Bible reading plan. And so uh, this is just a copy of the Bible reading hand plan that will take you through 2020. One chapter a day, five days a week, and we will read through the entire New Testament in pretty much exactly one year. Um, And this, which I'll get to in a second, is a bookmark uh, with some practical questions to ask um, of the text that I'm going to explain here in a little bit. But before we get into this and, um, and into some of this practical stuff, and I want to show you kind of how to journal through the scriptures. Some of you might do that already. Some of you might not be familiar with it. I, I hope that it's just very practical, very tangibly helpful to you this morning. But I just want to talk for just a second before we do that, just about the importance of God's word. Guys, um, we, we don't worship a book but this book tells us about who we worship. And we don't have a relationship with this book, but this book is of the utmost importance in our relationship with this almighty God that we serve. That there is a Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has existed throughout all of eternity past, has always been there, always will be there. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And through 40 different authors over the course of at least 1,500 years, he wrote a book. And the Bible says about the Bible that God has exalted his word even as high as his name. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but not one stroke of the pen will pass away from this book until it all is fulfilled. In today's vernacular, vernacular, it's not a stretch at all to say every cross of the T and every dot of the I will be fulfilled. And so I want you to know, especially if you call Mercy Hill home, that we hold the Bible in absolutely the highest regard that you possibly can. It is inerrant, it is infallible, it is inspired, it has all authority, and every other compliment that you can give it, we give to it. And so every week, you guys know, for those of you that are regular at Mercy Hill, we, we open this book, and listen, you are not sitting under the authority of a man You are sitting under the authority of the Word of God, which is God-breathed and God-inspired. And whether it's myself or anybody else that has the privilege of standing up here, our job is to unpack what this says, because this has all authority. And if we are going to worship God rightly, worship God in a way that, that honors and glorifies Him, then we have to know who He is. And that's ultimately what this book is all about. And I want to step on your toes just a little bit this morning, right from the beginning, you're welcome, and myself as well, because guys, I, I, when, what we're about to talk about today, I think it's so important that we approach it with this attitude, you ready? That we approach what we're gonna talk about this morning with an attitude of repentance. An attitude of repentance. 
an attitude of repentance because I'm sure that most of us here with everything that I just said that the word of God is inspired, infallible, um, uh, it has all authority, all those different things. We nod our heads and we say yes and amen, but I want to be honest with you. I don't think we treat it as such. Because most of us, many of us, we, we don't get into it unless it's on Sunday mornings or unless we're prepping for a Sunday school lesson or unless we're part of a Bible study. And I want to tell you that we should absolutely be devouring this book. We should absolutely be devouring it. And listen, the Christian life, uh, uh, I'm not, you know, trying to fleece you here. Like, like, it's hard. Taking up your cross and following Jesus is hard. I'll give you that. But I want to tell you something. The way you get through it, the only way you get through it, is by faith in what this book says. That we fight the good fight of faith. The, the Bible, again, says about the Bible that it is through these very great and precious promises this is 2 Peter chapter 1. Through these great and precious promises that we're able to become partakers of the divine nature. If you want to practically walk in the Spirit, in the spirit experience God, have a living relationship with Him, you've got to get into this book. And most of us, listen, including myself, and I'm not just saying that just to, to say the right thing, like including myself, we have got to get into this book more than what we are. Can I get an amen? You with me? Because I don't care where you're at this morning. I, I don't care if you read through the Bible any year. You read through it twice in a year. I don't care if you know how many chapters you read. Read more of it. And maybe it's not just about reading more of it. Maybe it's about going deeper, which is one of the things that I want to encourage you uh, to do this morning because I want us to approach everything I'm going to talk about this morning with an attitude of repentance because, listen, God you know, we, we are all susceptible to the times and places and the context and the cultures in which we live. Well, let me tell you something. If you just zoom out, because it's hard to get outside of like the world that we've grown up in, okay? And that's difficult for anybody. But never has a group of people in the history of the world had more access to this book than what we have. And yet most of us are biblically illiterate. And Jesus said very clearly that to whom much is given, much is required. And so listen, no matter where you're at this morning, my, my goal this morning is not to, from the outset here, just to give a quick drive-by condemning so everybody can feel bad as to you know, how little they read the Bible. But what I, what I want us to understand is that, guys, we have to absolutely treasure this in the highest regard. And many times, I'll just be honest with you, from a pastoral perspective, people come to me, and, and man, we've all got sin issues, myself included, and we've got things that we're trying to overcome, and we've got difficulties that come into our life, but many times, people, we get stuck in the same issues over and over and over again to the place where it, it seems that we're in bondage, where it seems like we're in chains. Um, and I'm not saying that, again, like if you, we, we all maybe come in and out of seasons like that, but the Bible says this, that Jesus said, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And if you want to walk in the freedom that he provides, it's no mystery to me. People come to me all the time, and it's like a mystery. I can't understand why I can't overcome this. And I'll be like, how much of the word is hidden in your heart? There's a direct correlation between you getting into the Bible until the Bible gets into you, and then the life of God coming out of you. And if you're not walking in the freedom that Christ promised and that you seem to see in his word, I'm telling you, you've got to get down into this book. 
You've got to get into it until it gets down into you. The, the Bible, again, says about the Bible that this word, it, the Bible is, the word is the sword of the Spirit. For those of you that accepted, have accepted Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You are sealed, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one. You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Romans chapter eight, verse nine says that if anybody does not have the Spirit of Christ, then he doesn't belong to Christ. The opposite way to say that is that if everybody who does have Christ does have the Spirit of Christ. The point being that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, but you've gotta give the Holy Spirit something to work with. That your sanctification, your growth in Christ's likeness and being able to be affected by him, it is, the Holy Spirit's in you, and man, he wants to go there. He wants to pull us there until we all reach maturity in Christ, but you've got to give him a sword to swing. You've got to hide this word in your heart. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, the devil didn't just go away because he was Jesus. Because he was the son of God, he quoted to him the word of God over and over and over, and that is how Jesus fought, and that is how we need to fight. You guys with me? Okay, you still, still good? I know that was a little bit intense, but I hope that I give you something practical here to work with. So here's what I'm going to propose this morning, okay? And I pray, Jesus, I'm gonna say another prayer here real quick, that this screen mirroring thing works, because if it doesn't, We're going to be in trouble. Last time I used a whiteboard, it was just hard for people to see. Guys, is, is it on? Is the light on, Conrad? Because it's not coming up. Lord, please. I, I'm on the remote. I'm moving it around. It says it's searching. We tested this so many times, just so you know, and I knew that this would happen. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this would happen. It's plugged in. The light's on. Lord, I pray that this technology would work for your honor and for your glory, please. Ah! Ta Come on, baby. All right, yes. Wee! Okay, you're all so impressed. Okay. All right, now hold on, one more test here. Hey, all right, you can see it. Great, okay, praise the Lord. Here's what we're gonna do. Okay, so again, I told you this isn't gonna be a normal sermon, um, <clears throat> but I wanna kinda make this uh, practical, kind of like a little lecture, but I want you to take your bookmarks. Get your bookmarks out, okay? We're gonna go to Luke chapter 11. So here's something very practical, again, this year, and I, again, I wanna... <laughs> I'll explain why I think this is powerful maybe as we, go, as we go through this, okay? But again, I think it's going to be powerful that we as a group of people, um, as a local fellowship, uh, here's a little principle, is that counsel and community 
are most powerful when they're working together. So most of us, we find community here, but many times we find counsel outside of where our community is, okay? And that's not wrong. You, you are allowed to do that. We all have voices and things that we're reading on our own. We don't have to be doing it with people. But they're most powerful. Counsel and community are most powerful when they're working together. And so I believe it's going to be powerful. Again, I'm not trying to dictate what your personal time with the Lord looks like in your life. Many of you already do a daily quiet time or devotional, or maybe you do read through the Bible in the year or something like that. But I do think it's going to be powerful that if to know, to wake up every morning and to know that other people, hopefully everybody that calls Mercy Hill home, are reading these same chapters, that we're reading the same chapters together, that we're getting the same truth down into us, and that we're going to be able to take the truth from those chapters and to be able to pray it for one another as we go through it. And so I want to propose kind of three different levels on which uh, you can help this work for you over the course of the next year. Level one is just simply, is that if you don't get into the Bible at all right now, or you get into it very, very sparsely, like you've never had an intentional track on which you're going to read the scriptures, okay, then I want to suggest that the place that you need to start is not jumping into the full uh, journaling technique that I'm going to show you here in a little bit, but that you just need to start with just simply reading one chapter a day, five days a week, reading the Word of God out loud, okay? But here's the thing, and, and I'm going to press, press you on this a little bit, and I'm not saying it's the key to absolute revival, but it will help. I want you to read it, again, but not silently. I want you to read it out loud. God told Joshua when he was going in to conquer the promised land, he said, this word of the law shall not depart from, not your mind, but from your mouth. And then you will be, uh, uh, you'll be able to overcome and have great success, he said. But there's something about reading the word of God out loud that engages not just our eyes, but also more of our senses, our tongue, and also our ears to where we're hearing it. And there's something about reading it out loud that helps get it down inside of us, okay? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of just model this for you. And I want to use the model for Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, um, I've been doing this as part of the E2 course. Uh, we've been doing this in the E2 course for the last year. I came across Luke 11 the other week just in my own um, Again, just Bible reading plan, my own quiet time. Again, I've been doing this myself for a while. Um, and I just thought Luke would be a good place uh, as just an example. It's a little bit of a longer chapter. It's 54 verses. And so uh, let me just start with step one, which is just reading it out loud. Okay, and I'm reading from the ESV. And I want you guys just to follow along just, or, or just listen. And then we'll take the next step here. And I'll show you how to kind of unpack it a little bit. But Luke chapter 11 Verse 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who had a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. 
What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man, man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against him, himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through, a water, through waterless places, seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, he finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment of this generation and condemn it, for they repented of the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light, but when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no, no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you fools. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said to him, Woe to you, lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed, so you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers." For they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. 
from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourself, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Okay, that took me about four to five minutes to read. Okay, so let's say this is part of the daily reading plan. You get up in the morning, and maybe you're not in the Word of God at all right now. Listen, that's okay. It's all right, but I'm saying a good next step for you would be just to get up and simply read it, okay, and then to just say, Father, and then begin to pray, okay, and maybe pray some of the truth that you just read. Maybe pray for somebody else specific in the congregation, okay, um, that you uh, feel led to pray for, or a prayer partner that you might have, or somebody in your small church, or pray it for your small church. That would be kind of the first level of just kind of getting into the Word of God, that you read it out loud, and then you just simply pray. The second one, and pick up again your little uh, bookmark here, or whatever, um, there's seven kind of steps here, and I hate calling them steps because I know like a quiet time, we don't, it seems a little bit rigid to call them steps, but once you do this for a little bit, it will just, it will, it will just become uh, natural. And the first one, actually, and I, I prayed at the beginning and I didn't do it here, but I should have done it again for the sake of example. But the first thing you always want to do when you read the Word of God is just very briefly, just look to the Spirit, okay? And say, Lord, I, I can't see truth in this book unless you reveal it to me. And Lord, if it's gonna be transformative, Father, um, there's a wonderful uh, little prayer in Psalm 119. You guys hear me pray this. I, I pray it almost every Sunday for us here before we start, and it's David's, it's an inspired prayer because it's in the Word, but David prays, Father, open the eyes of my heart that I may see wonderful things from your Word. Almost every day when I get up and I open the Word of God, that's the prayer that I pray. Father, open the eyes of my heart that I could see wonderful things from it. We always come to the word again in dependence upon the help of the Holy Spirit. But after you read it out loud, a second step in the journaling, okay? And so this was, this was Luke uh, chapter 11, 54 verses, so it's a little bit of a bigger chapter. Most chapters in the New Testament are not this big. Luke has a lot to say and a lot of his chapters um, are long. But a second step, okay, and this is important, you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get a journal. I just brought this along. This is one of my journals. This is my second one this year. I like this little size here. You might like spiral, you know, ring binding or whatever, or maybe just a notebook. It doesn't matter, whatever you like, get a journal. But here's the second thing that I would encourage you to do after you read the word, is I would just pick a verse. Just pick a verse, okay? And maybe, again, as you've prayed and as um, for the Spirit to give you enlightenment, maybe as you have been reading through it, there was a verse that just kind of caught your attention, okay? The way we have it here, the second step is look for a verse. First you look to the Spirit, then you look for a verse. And just simply write down a verse that jumps out to you. Now, when I was doing my devotions in Luke chapter 11 a while back, um, it's, been, it's, a, it's a verse that I've, uh, uh, that I've read many times, um, but verse four jumped out to me, Okay? And so I'm just gonna do that. Again, I usually just put a little heading here at the top. Let me find black. There we go. It's still up. Oh, I lost it again. Sorry.
We good? Okay, there we go. So the top, I'm just going to put Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to write down, it's part of my journal entry, verse 4. And here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you not just to write down the reference, but to write out the entire verse. And so you can awkwardly watch me as I write this. And yes, I apologize for my handwriting. It is what it is, okay? Um, Verse four, and forgive us our sins. Forgive everyone. And yes, I usually do talk to myself like this when I'm writing. Everyone who is indebted to us. temptation. Okay. There it is. I feel like I'm more nervous riding in front of you. I got to get the hand cramps, hand cramps out. Um, but it usually is that bad. Anyway, so, set, so first step, look to the Spirit. Then you read it out loud. Next, write down a verse. Here's what, just a little note on this too. You might not think it is important, but I'm telling you, the Word of God, the Bible says, is living and active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's not just a book. No other book is living the way that the word is. And so when something's living, you want to interact with it. Jonathan Edwards said that his pen was his exegetical eye. To exegete means to like, to try to, it's, it's the idea of mining, like digging down. And he said his pen was his exegetical eye. He learned as he wrote, but he also wrote as he learned. And so I'm telling you, when you begin to just take the word of God and interact with it, even if it's just as simple as copying down a verse. In fact, just a little side note here. Um, this isn't in my notes, but there's a, uh, there's a podcast that I listen to that, of an um, evangelical pastor and a Christian's licensed counselor. And um, one of, uh, on one of their episodes, uh, the counselor was saying how she had dealt with a fair amount of depression in her, in her life. And one of the greatest things that helped her, and I, from what I can understand, she's kind of like artsy, uh, which I'm not at all, okay? But, um, but she would just, she said one of the greatest things that helped her is she would just write out long passages of Scripture. She would just copy down the Word of God, and she would do it, you know, kind of like at an angle and in different, you know, kind of fancy, you know, writing and some big and some small or whatever. But just interacting with the Word of God like that in some sort of a tangible way um, did more for her soul than any amount uh, of, of counseling. And again, she's a counselor. And again, hear me, I'm not, counseling is good. We're four counselors. We believe in Christian counseling, all that. But I'm saying, guys, the word of God is supernatural. And again, just begin to interact it, with it. And so the first step, just to kind of get you in, because many times in journaling, um, if you've ever tried to journal, sometimes you, you know, like, okay, I'm gonna journal. I have no idea what to write. Or no idea what to do. And so just begin by just copying down a verse of Scripture, okay? 
And so you write that down, the next step. So we look to the Spirit, look to a verse, and then we look for the points. Now, this, this is important. These are, and again, this is very practical. It's very uh, kind of technical. But I want to take some time and explain this because asking these two questions are very helpful in interpreting the scriptures, okay? So anytime you're interacting with the word, you're, you're doing one of three things. You're either observing, you're looking at what's there, you're interpreting, you're talking about what is there and what, it's, what it means, and the, or you're applying, you're taking it, you're seeking to apply it to your life. And these, verse, or these two little questions here under step three, look for the points, are very helpful in helping to interpret what is there, okay? And the two questions are simply this. It says, what general idea is the author talking about in the passage, and what is he saying specifically about that idea, okay? What general idea is the author talking about in the passage, and then what is he saying specifically about that idea, okay? So for example, getting back to Luke chapter 11, as I was reading through it, verse four just jumped out to me a little bit. It, it kind of just stuck with me. It says, forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, the reason I'm going back to this is because, again, as you're journaling through it, there, there's 54 verses in here, okay? And it's gonna take, again, I'm not opposed to you doing this. I mean, do it. But it's a little bit difficult to take in all 54 of those verses, okay, and try to connect it all within the context of the entire chapter. That's gonna be a little bit, a little bit overwhelming, okay? But if you just go back to the one verse or two that you picked and that you wrote down, and let's just ask these questions about this verse that I picked, okay? So specifically, and again, you can ask them, they're not necessarily in that order. So specifically, in verse four, if you had to, like, what is the primary thing that he's talking about in verse four? What would you say? Starts with an F, ends with, or give. <laughs> if you don't get that one, folks, I can't help you, Okay. Forgiveness, right? He's, he's talking about forgiveness. Now, that's kind of specifically what he's talking about in this little verse. Now let's zoom out for a, a little bit. And I know I'm kind of doing it backwards. Again, you can do it either way. You can start with the general and move to the specific or start with the specific and move to the general. But if I ask the question then, just in these verses, just right around it, just a little bit before it and a little bit after it, what generally, what, what's the general topic that he's talking about? He's talking about prayer, Right? So if you go back to verse one, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to what? Teach us to pray. So again, and this, verse four, forgiveness, this is part of the Lord's prayer. So do you see, do you see what I'm saying here? So we got the specific, we got the general. Now here's, here's what's interesting about that, and here's where then, again, you gotta think about this, and you'll begin to gain, you'll begin to gain insight, okay? Is that, and this is, you know, when I was uh, doing this just on my own a couple weeks ago when I was in Luke, Luke chapter 11, um, again, nothing that I necessarily didn't know, but it was just something that the Lord wanted to get into my heart that day, is that every single time that we pray, when God's calling us, calling us to pray, we should always be aware of our need for forgiveness. You ever think about that? So, Again, Father, teach us to pray. It's not that we need to pray these exact words every time, but the thing that hit me the other, uh, again the other day when I was doing this was just like, man, how often do I rush in? And I'll even pray, Lord, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and then I'll ask him for stuff, which is good. He wants us to. 
But many times I can kind of skip over the fact that I am always in need of forgiveness. And not only that, but here's the other thing, that within the midst of our prayers, he says that, um, and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And as, as I was asking these two questions the other day of the text, okay, so he's talking about prayer, but even when we pray, like, when you're praying, you're going, you're going vertical, right? Like, it's between you and God. Like, you're, there's, there's our horizontal relationships, and then there's our vertical relationships. And in prayer, you know, which is what they're asking for, you're going vertical, and God's, he, Jesus is teaching them how, Yet at the same time, even as we're going vertical, we also need to go horizontal. That, like, even when we're in prayer talking to God, even in the midst of that, we still need to be thinking about our relationships with other people. And, how, and, and again, for me, as I was kind of just doing this on my own the other day, I was thinking about, man, how often when I go vertical, I just, I don't even bring in all the time the horizontal or I think, and again, this is just where you just kind of begin to meditate upon it, and I'm just trying to kind of bring you into that, you know, as I was doing this on my own the other day, and how it, how it might go for you. Again, you can do this with any, with any passage of Scripture um, on your own. But just thinking about, like, out of all the things that Jesus could have brought in in teaching his disciples how to pray, that forgiveness was a priority, and I wonder, the other thought I had was, man, I wonder how many times my prayers aren't necessarily blocked, but like I'm a little bit hindered in prayer because I don't have something out this way that's quite square. I have a relationship where somebody I know has unforgiveness towards me because maybe a way that I've hurt them or somebody that's hurt me and I'm clinging on to unforgiveness. Jesus said this, and this is again, if you, as you begin to know the scriptures, you just kind of bring in more, just kind of meditate upon it. But Jesus said, if you're offering your gift to God at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. So, and again, one of the things I began to think about was just, man, just this connection between like the vertical and the horizontal. And man, it's not just one or the other, but they're always, they're always, they're always kind of mingled. Um, again, you remember when uh, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Remember what he said? What did he say the greatest commandment was? That you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And again, he was just asked about the greatest one, but then he went out of his way to give the second one as well. And what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Oh, and, by, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So again, I'm beginning to think about this, and again, he's teaching them to pray, and yet he brings into this here this idea of forgiveness. And again, that we're forgiven. Um, forgive us as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. The one of the things we should constantly be doing in prayer is to, is to check our own, our own hearts. So, are you guys with me? Is that kind of making sense? Okay, so again, back to just practical, kind of as an example. So after I ask those questions under look for the points, I might put down <coughs> something like this, that 
Um, my relationships with others need to be examined before God during times of prayer. Make sense? So I might just kind of like write that down in my journal as something practical. Are you all following me? Is this making sense? Okay, nod your head. Give me some interaction here. Okay. So I might, I might, I might write that down. And, you know, and again, I, I'm not going to take the time to do it, but you can just, guys, there, there's, there's freedom here in journal. Like it's your journal, just, but write, write things down. Okay. Writing things down helps get things, helps get things out of the heart. Okay. Next interpretation question. Very important. Okay. Uh, look for God and the gospel. Look for God and the gospel. And I know this kind of, it's one, but it kind of sounds like two, but let me tell you why it's two. It's because this book is ultimately about the nature and character of God. It's about who he is. And let me tell you something. Who he is is good news. It is good news that he is who he is. It is good news that although he is eternal, flaming in righteousness and holiness, making the, 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 our, our sun, which is burning at like 3,600,000 degrees Fahrenheit just on the surface, is nothing but a little firefly compared to the presence of Almighty God. And yet he is flaming in this holiness. He chooses to humble himself and send his son to come and die for a people that are his enemies. That is good news, amen? And all of this book is ultimately about who he is. And so you do not want to get into this book just to, again, just kind of learn facts and figures, although, you know, that's, that's kind of part of it, or just get some technical information. You have not got down into the word, and the word has not got down into you until you are thinking about the nature and the character of God. And many times, it's just simply as easy as just asking the question, Okay? So again, look for God in the gospel, just asking this question. What does it say about who he is and what he has done? So again, we could look at different places. And, and again, I'm, I'm kind of, for the sake of the example this morning, I, I admit that I'm kind of pulling some low-hanging fruit because it's pretty obvious in this, in this passage. But again, it, if you rake, you get leaves. If you dig, you get diamonds. And the word of God takes effort to get into. Do not be thwarted by the fact that you have to put in effort into getting into the word, okay? Um, that's the attitude that a disciple has to have, that we're willing to put into the work to get into the word, okay? Um, but let's just ask this question. Like right around this passage, again, just kind of sticking in the, the beginning of the chapter here, because that's where I, you know, I started with that verse in verse four that kind of jumped out to me and I wrote down. How is God described? Let's just look at verse two. So Jesus says, and he said to them, when you pray, say what? Starts with an F, ends with an author. What is it? Father. How's God, so, so again, in answering this question, how is God described, what is he like? Well, one of the things here, he's father. He's father. Now this is a loaded one, because I would argue that probably more than anything else, our relationship with our earthly fathers somehow shapes and forms the way that we view our heavenly father. 
And for many of us, there's things there, that are really for all of us in some way, shape, or form, including my kids, kids as awesome as a dad as I am. That was a joke, by the way. Um, but, but all of us have to have a right view of who God is, okay? And so when Jesus, and again, this is just kind of for free here, I'm just kind of giving this to you, but there's only about 15 times in the Old Testament that God has ever, ever referred to as Father, okay? And in those 15 times, it's never on an individual basis, it's always on a corporate level that he's spoken of as the father of the nation of Israel. But Jesus comes on the scene, and listen, the Old Testament is two-thirds of the entire Bible, the New Testament is just one-third. Yet just in the Gospels, Jesus uses this term for God, Father, he uses it over 160 times. And so Jesus comes on the scene. It's not that, again, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but Jesus comes on the scene, and again, he came to reveal the Father. He's the last revelation, the, the very living word of God to us. And he's just saying, Father, 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 over and over and over again. And so, again, so, again, we're number four here. What does it say about who he is? Well, he's Father. And even if you didn't have a good relationship with your earthly dad, let me tell you something. Everything that you long for a good father to be, he's it. He's it, guys. He is a good, good, good father. Somebody should write a song about that. Christian jokes gone wild, I know. Um, but he's a good father. And so maybe again in your journal, I'm just looking like, okay, who is God? What does it say? Well, well, he's a father, and then I'm going to ask the question, how is this good news? <laughs> well, let's think about it a little bit. And again, whether you had a good relationship or not with your dad, if, if, you're, if you had an earthly father, and even if it wasn't the best, but like, you know what it should have been like. You know what you would have wanted, even if you didn't have it. What would you have wanted? You would have wanted to be able to tell your dad anything. You would have wanted for your dad to always accept you. You would have wanted your dad to always be there for you and protect you and to care for you and to still love you even when you messed up, even when you sinned, even when you acted like a knucklehead. You would have still wanted him to teach you and to accept you. Now again, we, we can't just make things up, but let me ask you something, just in, from your general knowledge of the Bible and like, is that true of God? Is he a good father that loves you and accepts you? Yeah. And in fact, again, if, and again, so it's kind of, we're thinking about it, we're meditating upon it, we're going back and forth to the scriptures, but even some more here, you know, right out of the Lord's prayer, again, context is always important, he rolls right into this other analogy uh, about a guy getting up in the middle of the night to, you know, get something um, from his friend because he doesn't have it. And again, I won't take time to unpack this, but it's, it's, it's actually a wonderful little, little parable because um, uh, what he's saying is that like, we don't have the resources that we need to help people that are around us, but our Father does. And God's not like this dude's grumpy friend where he's like knocking on his door in the middle of the night, hey, I need some bread. And he's like, I'm in bed already. You know, the wife's asleep, leave me alone. No, God is, God is always willing to give us what we need. And then he rolls into this, this last little um, teaching here. Verse 11, what does he say? What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? 
or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, listen, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so again, I'm gonna write down here, how's this good, who is God? Well, he's, he's Father. How is this good news? Um, I'm just gonna put loving fathers give. Now, when my boys were two and three years old, did I give them a pocket knife? The answer's no, by the way. You might think, oh, Eric, I'm not too sure. No, because no. even though they would have liked a pocket knife, a good father knows what not to give his kids as well, too, okay? Um, but loving fathers, again, the idea of what you start, like, like, like they give. And again, I love that little phrase there. That's jumping out to me, too, even just right now as we're doing this. How much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask? So, how, so again, you know, how, how is this good news? I mean, I'm just going to put my heavenly Father loves me. You know, and I just feel prompted to stop right now. And I just feel like this is for somebody, okay? I wasn't, this isn't in my notes here, but, but even as I wrote that down, I just feel like, I really feel like that's for somebody this morning. And I feel like, too, um, in this moment, that like, it would actually do you good to say that out loud and to write it down. I don't know who that's for this morning, but, but I don't let you, it's true for each one of you. But I'm saying I just feel like in this moment, the Lord just wanted me to say that. Maybe if you're not sure of God's love, again, it's, it's, it's practical. I know that we want to get it down in our hearts, not just on paper. But sometimes getting something on paper is a real way of kind of getting it down into your heart. Maybe you need to go home this afternoon, and you do. You just need to write down. You know what? Write, you know, <laughs> kind of like writing it. You know, on the chalkboard. You know, when you were a kid, if you were bad or something. But you just need to write over and over again. My father loves me. My father loves me. You need to say it out loud that your father loves you. Because listen, guys, he does. He does. Maybe I write down. My heavenly father loves me, and he is willing and he's able to give me whatever I need in the moment that I need it for his glory, okay? I want you to know that that's true, too. I pray that prayer every week when I get up to preach. I say, Father, give me words to speak in the moment that I need it, okay? And he does. He helps me. Okay, so you guys still with me? So we're back on the practical level. You still awake? Okay, so we'll, we'll get through this here. Next, very important question, Okay. So we said, look at the gospel. What does it say about who God is? How is this good news? We've interpreted that. But also look at your heart. And again, sometimes these things run together. But look at your heart. And be honest when you're journaling. So I'm kind of, I'm running out of space here, but. 
The heart part, oh, that was terrible, even for me. The heart part, like if I run into this and I'm bumping into the fact that God's my father, I'm gonna take a moment and I'm gonna look at my heart and here's the questions you ask underneath that. Where do I need to repent of unbelief? And am I believing the good news? And so if I'm doing this during my devotions and I see that God is my father, you need to be honest with yourself and say, God, I, I mean, I know that you're my father, but I'm not sure if I know that you're my father. And so take a moment and journal that out. Talk about it. Be honest with him. Be honest on paper, okay? Be honest before your heavenly father. Say, God, I'm not sure that I know that you love me. But God, I want to know that you love me. Please help me to repent of this unbelief because, Lord, your word says it's true, so I know that it's true, so I know I'm the one that's wrong. God, I want to believe it. And so, again, I'm not going to take time to do it, but just write something something down there, right? Most of the times at this stage, at the look at your heart, this is almost always a prayer that I write out to God, just a sentence or two, where I'm writing out to him the true condition of my heart as it is that morning before him in his presence. (coughs) Next, look at your life, okay? And the questions we're asking here is, how can I obey the truth that is in this passage, and who can I share this with? Jesus said in the Great Commission, a big part of being a disciple, okay? It's not about earning your salvation, but it is about obedience. We've got, we've got to have a grid for both these things, that salvation is by grace, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And the first step in Christian obedience is always to first believe. That's why we're looking at our heart first before we're looking at our life. But we do need to look at our life because Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, listen, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Last week, if you guys were here, I read for you like 59 of those um, one another verses that are found in the New Testament. Love one another, forgive one another, uh, be patient with one another, be kind to one another, all those different things, okay? And so if we're gonna be disciples, we have to look not just at what we're believing, looking at our heart, although that comes first and it's important, we also have to look at our life. And so how can I obey the truth in this passage? I know one of the things I believe I wrote down that morning when I was doing it is, was like, Step of obedience, I will pray more. (laughs) Not because I have to, but because I get to. Because I get to come before a heavenly father who hears me. And so again, and again, this is a little bit of an aside and we should already know that this is true. It's just interesting to me how sometimes we uh, Americans, we like to do these research projects and then think that we're, the, we're coming up with something new when we're always just only ever affirming what the truth of the Word of God says. But anyway, Lifeway Christian Research did this massive study. It's like been touted in the last year and a half, two years. It's like the biggest, one of the biggest studies that's ever been done on the church in America. And it was good. And here's what they found, okay? Shocking. They found that people, that by, by far and away, the greatest thing that you can do to help grow your Christian life is to interact with the Word of God. And so everybody's, and again, it's, it's good, like it's true, it's just one more thing that, that proves that it's true, but it's, I just find it funny that in, you know, Christian church leader land, everybody's been like, oh, you, you know, interacting with the Word of God, that, that leads to people being more generous and people sharing their faith more and people want to pray more and like, it's, it's the discipline that leads to all, the, all other good fruit in your life. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, of course, that's, that's what it is. Um, but as we interact with the word of God, it leads to, to more prayer or more action or more generosity or whatever 
uh, whatever it might be. And so just take a moment, look at your life again, write out something that you might believe God um, specifically sharing you to do, but also who can I share this with? Take a moment in your quiet time and just ask God if there's somebody that you would, that he would have you just maybe text this to. Like maybe there's somebody that morning that God brings to mind, you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna text them and just remind them today that their father loves them, that their heavenly father loves them. Be obedient to it in some way. And then lastly, look to heaven, and then here I just usually just end in prayer. I just, I just pray, I just pray however I feel led, um, and, uh, and I also as part of that just thank God uh, for speaking to me through his word um, and just thank him for all that he's done, okay? Does that make sense? You guys with me still awake? Okay? So look to the Spirit, look for a verse, look for the points, look to God in the gospel, look for God in the gospel, look at your heart, look at your life, look to heaven. Listen, if you just take the next step of just reading the word out loud and praying, man, that's that's that is terrific. If you're not in the word of like, just start there. That is that is that is great, okay? Um uh, if you want to just take the second step of just maybe just reading it out loud and just writing down one verse, just simply writing down one verse and maybe a thought or two about it, okay? That would be a great second step. Or third, if you want to, you know, do this journaling thing, do the look journal as you read through this every week, I'm telling you that it takes a little bit more time. On average, this, to go through this, this takes me about 20 to 30 minutes a day, Okay? If I take my time, I can do it quicker, but I always feel, but I always feel rushed. Um, uh, and again, it, sometimes it takes, it takes longer than that. And by takes, I just mean sometimes the Lord is speaking and there's more I want to write down or there's more, uh, there's more that I want to uh, do or just I'm not as rushed and I have more time just to, just to spend with the Lord. But that's about what it takes. And I would just humbly ask you this question again with guys, no, no condemnation at all. But is Almighty God not worthy of 20 or 30 of your best minutes every day? Yes? Would you agree? What if in 2020, in this new year, and again, I'm not trying to turn this just into a New Year's resolution here, but what if we would do that? And I know for me, I'm excited about the fact that I can wake up in the morning and do this and know that Jim is doing it. And know that Chad and Sarah are doing it. And know that Josh and, sorry, you guys are just in my line of sight here. Josh and Jen, Josh and Jen are done, I'm just coming down the road. Or whoever. And to know that maybe that morning they're praying for me. Or they're praying the truth of what we just read together for somebody else. And that I can pray, and that I can pray for them. Um, you guys have heard, worship team, you can come up, and we'll close. You guys have heard me say the little thing before, uh, always kind of, kind of sarcastically, uh, that we don't change by God just hovering over us and sprinkling magical Holy Ghost pixie dust on us, okay? Um, and listen, God is good, he gets all the glory, but you guys remember a couple weeks ago, uh, actually beginning of, beginning of December, we were in 1 Timothy chapter four, and again, a very, a very much a, an in-your-face passage. But let me just read it as we, as we close here. He says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, 
godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the one to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and we strive because we have, set our hope, we have, have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Here's the part I wanted to get to. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And guys, I know that, again, I'm ready to just get back to just uh, kind of a normal week and just a normal week of just preaching and letting it fly in the name of Jesus next week. And again, I'm going to be preaching through one of these chapters that you'll have read through um, every week throughout this next year, Lord willing. But I know that this isn't just a normal kind of, uh, you know, end with all just kind of a come to Jesus type message here on a Sunday morning. But I want to plead with you just one more time, like as we come, as we come to the Lord's table, to guys, yes, come and worship, come and partake of his broken body and his shed blood, of what he's done for us, and in faith of all that he's provided. But I pray that God would just put inside each one of us this morning a resolve to take a next step, to grow in the word of God in this next year, to have the faith to believe that if you're willing to put in the work to get into this book until it gets down into you, that God is able to transform your life through the means that he's given us, which is the word of God. Amen? Father, please help us. We love your word. We thank you for being a God that speaks, a God that communicates, a God that tells us about who he is even though you're so great and so mighty and so transcendent that we can't see you with our physical eyes and yet live. Father, please let us get down into your word this year until your word gets down into us. And please, Lord Jesus, change us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You guys stand with me. If you're helping serve communion, you can come. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this is my blood in the new covenant. As often as you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. Father, again, we thank you this morning for your broken body and your shed blood. Lord, we pray that our lives... Lord, as we come to you in faith, that our lives would be the same, that we would be broken, that we would be poured out for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
seat. Uh, Nate, can you grab me my bookmark there? Hey, there are more of these little deals here, the Bible reading plans and the bookmarks out on the connect table if you didn't get one. Again, I would encourage you uh, to get one and to just pick up, again, at the very least, just reading one chapter a day. Um, Just a couple other practical things here, and and I'll let you go. I talked a little bit about this last week, and we've just been covering a lot of kind of in-house kind of practical things here, the way we do things at Mercy Hill over the last couple weeks. Uh, On the website, okay, the Bible reading plan, if you lose this or whatever, um, or don't have one one morning, it's on the website, okay, it's real easy to find, you can get it on your phone uh, or uh, on the computer or tablet or whatever. Um, Also, one other thing, that I just want to commend to you is one of these steps on the discipleship pathway is to be discipled. And if you guys would like, if, if you would consider yourself to be younger in the Lord and would like somebody older than you to intentionally pour into you, to disciple you for a period of time, go to the website. Again, I know this is all very brass tacks here to end the service, but like go to the website, sign up. We will contact you and we will put you in contact with somebody that we know, that we trust within the church that's more mature in the faith than you are, and there's no shame in that, we're all at different places, okay, that will walk with you and that will pour into you and that you can then get together with, if you're doing this Bible reading plan, and share some of the things that you've been learning and journaling. Guys, it sounds, again, I know it's just very, something very tangible, but, but if you want to grow, interact with the Word of God and interact with His people, and you will grow. These are the sovereign appointed means that God has given for us to grow in Christ's likeness and in our sanctification. And if you're willing to do it, I'm telling you, God will transform your life. But it's your choice, okay? It's your choice whether you're willing to take a next step to do that. Um, but we want to, that's why we exist as leaders here at Mercy Hill. We, we want to train and equip so that you can become all that Christ intends for you to be. All right? Let let me pray. I'll let you go. Father, thanks again for this morning. Lord, we love you. I thank you for what you're doing. Father, I just want to pray boldly right now in Jesus' name 
that I'm just believing you, Lord, for you to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think in this new year. And as Nate said earlier, Lord, in this new decade, we, we trust you, we love you, we want to follow you one step at a time. But Father, we pray that you would take our lives and that you would use them for your honor and for your glory, not our own. Let the name of Jesus Christ be mightily exalted among us. And Father, let us see more salvation in this year, 2020, than we've ever seen before. We trust you for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.